Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, we are in day 23 of the coronavirus healthcare crisis uh, here in Ohio and nationally, of course, as measures are being taken in large cities and in states across the country to combat the coronavirus. We are now entering the fourth week of the college and school closures, sporting events, including the NBA, the NCAA basketball tournament, of course, was canceled, professional baseball, hockey, all sports events, professional and amateur uh, sporting events, concerts, conventions, outdoor events, and large gatherings as social distancing will now continue through the month of April. Many churches are choosing to comply with the social distancing guidelines and have moved to online services as Ohioans and as Americans are taking appropriate precautionary measures to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Other concerns have arisen. Last week on this program, we addressed the terrible impact on small businesses here in Ohio with restaurants, retail stores, and other small businesses being forced to close their doors uh, during this health care crisis. This has caused other concerns to rise among the population. Uh, These stresses have caused many to struggle with the bouts of depression, loneliness, and isolation. Many Ohioans feel uh, they're feeling at the breaking point. That's why we're reaching out to, uh, we're asking you to reach out to your family members, your neighbors. Uh, This is important at this time, letting them know that they're not forgotten and that uh, you're thinking about them. Uh, So joining me on today's program will be Pastor Al. He is the pastor of Richfield Bible Baptist Church, also host of uh, Live with Pastor Al here on the station. Uh, He's also a member of the Ohio Christian Alliance uh, Board, and also State Representative Todd Smith. He is the uh, representative for the 43rd District, and he is also the senior pastor of Church of Farmsville. Uh, Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Chris. Good to be here. Representative, thanks for joining us. Totally my honor, Chris, to be here. Just want to say thank you uh, to you personally. I'm not only, uh, you know, just someone that's working in Columbus and thinks about religious things. I actually am following, I follow you on social media. I appreciate your updates, appreciate the work that you're you're doing to keep people informed, uh, to keep religious rights right out there in the middle of the conversation, and actually have one of your Ten Commandments hanging in my office proudly. And, uh, and I wanted the people to know also, your daughter actually was the first legislative aide that worked for me when I came to Columbus. So we have a lot of con- connections, and I want you to know I appreciate the work that you're doing. Well, and we thank you, for, your Representative, as well, for being willing to run for office and to serve. And I know that uh, you're highly respected among your colleagues in Columbus. And in fact, it was heartwarming to hear you offer the prayer as the General Assembly was gathering again to uh, reset the uh, primary date as it had been postponed and take care of other important measures before the Ohio General Assembly. And it was heartening to see a pastor uh, called out from among the 99 state representatives as the Speaker called upon you to pray. And I appreciated the prayer that you offered that day. So thank you for your service as well. 
I want to address uh, a letter we sent to Governor DeWine the other day, and we're into this, like we said, uh, we're going into the fourth week, and there's been a lot of measures that have been enacted by state government. Of course, our governor, along with the health director and other officials, have had a daily press briefing at 2 o'clock giving us an update on um, the status of the healthcare system here in Ohio, uh, the a number of infections, and unfortunately, the number of fatalities. Thankfully, it has been relatively low, uh, and uh, the medical uh, systems in Ohio, the hospitals, and uh, those serving us in healthcare have been able to get out on the front lines of the coronavirus and battling it, and uh, so we're we're making some headway, and that's good news. But we're not out of the woods yet, as Governor DeWine has indicated, also the president, and that's why they extended these measures until the end of April. So with that said, um, there were those who are starting to uh, uh, pick and uh, nitpick, in my opinion, uh, people when they see them gathering, uh, you know, this kind of thing, and uh, you know, what you want to watch out for is turning in your neighbors. Okay, well, there's a large crowd over there and this kind of thing. And, yes, people are violating the social uh, distancing standards, especially probably young people for the most part. But nevertheless, uh, you know, that that can be discussed and that can be dealt with. But, you know, bringing down more and severe measures after we've closed down most of society uh, it might be just a bridge too far. So that's what we address because on Monday's press conference, one of the members of the media uh, brought up to the governor that uh, there uh, in the parks there was those who were gathering and violating the social distancing standards and asked the governor if he intended to close the parks. Well, that really uh, concerned me greatly because the last thing you want to do is take away the ability for people to get out to uh, exercise, to stretch their legs, to get some fresh air, and basically clear their minds, especially when they're dealing with so many stress-related things. Here is the letter we wrote to Governor DeWine on Monday. I'm writing to you concerning the suggestion in today's press conference by a member of the media concerning whether you are considering closing the state parks. According to the reporter, some people were not practicing social distancing while congregating in a park. While this might be true... For the most part, people are practicing social distancing as they are taking advantage of getting needed exercise and outdoor activity, utilizing Ohio's parks and hiking and biking trails. Ohioans have supported the majority of your initiatives to flatten the curve on the coronavirus outbreak. However, there comes a point when government can push too far, restricting people beyond reason. Please consider that if you were to close the state parks, as was suggested, it would have a disastrous effect for people already under stress for a host of reasons in relation to the coronavirus health care crisis. Families and individuals need to be able to go out into the fresh air to run, walk, bike, and hike, and stretch their legs. I know that you are concerned about this, as many Ohioans will be struggling with bouts of depression and emotional stress because of the uncertainty of life right now. Many people I talk with are already concerned about their personal economics as some have had their businesses closed, others have had been laid off and their hours severely lessened, others have had to take a reduction in pay just to retain their employment. If you were to close the parks, in our opinion, this would have a disastrous effect as people would feel caged in beyond reason. We urge you, please keep Ohio's parks and trails open to the general public with the emphasis that they continue to practice social distancing when out and getting exercise. 
I want to refer to what President Trump said in one of his recent press conferences concerning America's ability to go out and enjoy the national parks. The Department of the Interior has waived fees to the parks so that Americans can have access at this time. The president also spoke about his concerns that some Americans would be so depressed that it would lead to higher rates of suicide. Reports from other states have already shown a sharp increase in suicide rates this past week. It is for that reason and for these concerns that we write to you today about this specific issue. Please know that we are praying for you and your staff as you guide Ohio through these difficult days of the coronavirus health crisis. May you be encouraged to know that many Ohioans are praying for you. And this is a letter that the Ohio Christian Alliance wrote to Governor DeWine. Well, I want to say that the governor, thankfully, and his staff heard our appeal. And I want to go to right now a audio clip from yesterday's press conference as Lori Chris, director of Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, was invited into the press conference and gave these statements uh, by governor, uh, to Governor DeWine and to the public. I'm here to talk today about how we can take care of our whole health, <clears throat> our total health. And while we're all busy focusing on our physical health care and staying home to help support the health of all Ohioans, it can be stressful for all of us. And so after working in the recovery field for about 30 years, there's a lot of wisdom and information that I've gleaned based on research and also on the experience of people in recovery. Um, I rely on it each day to keep a healthy balance and so I want to share that for all Ohioans to learn from this wisdom. The first thing uh, that we think about is that um, recovery and wellness, it, it takes a lot to be well and stay well and that includes having a safe place to live, having physical and emotional health, a sense of purpose and a connection to community. So I'll spend a little bit of time talking about that today. Home has taken on uh, a new meaning for all of us right now. And as you talked yesterday, Governor, not all Ohioans have a safe place to live. So the DeWine administration, along with local partners and our uh, statewide community coalitions are working really hard to make sure that every Ohio family youth or adult who are experiencing homelessness have a safe place to live and be well. And that work is continuing all day, every day. We also know that um, for others of us, home is now very different. It's our office, it's our school, it's our playground, it's our movie theater. And for some of us, uh, we are spending a lot of time with our roommates, our families, uh, maybe a little too much time, and this can be stressful in different ways. And for those of us who are living alone, it can be lonely, and uh, that can be stressful too. So we've got a lot of good things happening, things that are going well, and good resources for all of us. For those of us who are staying home right now, able to do so uh, to make our contribution to flattening the curve. Some strategies that we can use are waking up at the same time every day and uh, showering and getting dressed and starting off about our day, having meals at normal times and really keeping a schedule for ourselves in our household. Scheduling in um, leisure time too. And uh, if we're able to create a space for school or work to do that away from our other activities to give us a sense of normalcy.
And if you live alone, uh, reach out to friends and family each day so that you're able to really connect with them and not feel lonely or isolated. If you have a neighbor that lives alone, older adults for sure, but neighbors of any age, please reach out to them as well. Leave a kind and cheerful note, offer to run an errand, just give them a call to say hello. I want to emphasize emphasize checking on friends and family and neighbors who live alone is really important right now. Uh, It can be difficult to spend that much time by themselves. And so making sure that they're okay, giving them a chance to talk about their worries, their stresses, and also giving them an opportunity to you know, enjoy memories together or talk about things they're looking forward to. Those are helpful for all of us in decreasing the isolation that people might be feeling. And if home is hard for you right now, maybe you don't have enough food or you're not living in a safe environment, it's important to reach out for help. There are food pantries, social service agencies that can help meet your needs. And we urge you to reach out to them and and take advantage of the help that's being offered. Health is another essential element of staying well and being well, Uh, not just our physical health, but our mental, emotional, social, financial, and spiritual health too. So stay in touch with your primary care doctor if you have chronic illnesses and medication management issues, and if you have any new symptoms too. Also stay in touch with your mental health and addiction counselors if you're already in treatment for those issues. And if not, reach out to them. Both physical health care doctors and mental health and addiction centers are open. And you need to reach out to them and see if you can connect by telehealth or if there's an option for you to come in person if it's something that needs to be seen in person. Also, if you're involved in a faith community, stay connected to your faith leaders. Reach out and see ways that you can be connected to online or Facebook Um, opportunities to gather with other members of your faith community and go to the coronavirus.ohio.gov page so that you can learn more about resources for faith communities too. And that was uh, Lori Chris. She is the director of the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. And that was her comments yesterday at the press conference, the daily press conference by Governor DeWine, Lieutenant Governor John Houston, and of course the health director. Uh, this is a daily um, press conference that the governor has been given during the coronavirus health care crisis. Uh, but with me on the phone is State Representative Todd Smith of the 43rd District. He is also the senior pastor of the Church of Farmersville. Also, Pastor Al Davis, an OCA board member, and he is the pastor of Richville Bible Baptist Church. And we're talking about, uh, really at this point, how we're going to get through this uh, mentally, spiritually, and physically, as this is going to be a longer haul now as we're going to go through the month of April. Uh, Representative, your thoughts about the comments from the uh, uh, Director of Mental Health and Addiction? Well, first off, I want to say I appreciate the demeanor of the the letter that you wrote to the governor. Um, You you had a chance to read it here on on the air. Uh, That perspective of bringing uh, an an idea of support, because I know as Pastor Al would say, and you also, Chris, when you're in leadership, 
you generally just get a lot of people yelling at you. And that's what that's what being in government is also. You just get paid to allow people to yell at you. And uh, we, we've seen a whole lot of people who have overreacted, and I've seen some from both extremes. And uh, they say all oh, these people are overacting about some of the uh, numbers. Well, we can we can discuss that, but this is a this is a pandemic. It is something we have to take seriously. And I don't think though that yelling from our side is going to work either. I appreciate the supportive nature of the letter that you wrote. I know that I myself, from my office, officially sent a letter. Uh, to the governor also, uh, you know, just saying, do not close down the parks. That's our, that's our only retreat from home. Yes. If all other social activities close, you know, nature's our only retreat and do not punish. This was a line from my uh, note, do not punish all for the violations of some deal with those people and give us this out. And then I also just mentioned, and I know that you and your listeners will agree with this. This is Paul's uh, attitude behind every letter that he wrote. Every letter that he writes to the churches is, is a corrective is of a corrective nature. So he's going to deal with some problems. But every one of the letters, except Galatians, we know there's some uh, difficult problems there. Every one of his letters, he he started with a time of saying, I thank God for you. Hmm. And showing to our public officials that we're behind you, that we support you. We might disagree with some of the decisions. We might debate that. But one thing I do know about our governor is he has a good heart, I think he is the contemplative and compassionate kind of leader we need at this point. And we're also going to need him to be bold when he says, listen, we're going to ease some of these restrictions. But especially coming from a community of faith, I think we have to keep that demeanor of we're here to support, we're here to help, we're going to be praying for our leaders, we're going to reach out to them with empathy. And and I appreciate the tone that you had there. I think everybody has to take a little step back, and I appreciate um uh, what the director there said, yes, and and uh, and obviously the humanity that she brought to it also. Stay in touch with people, and I know that this is our heart. We're doing uh, live broadcast, something we've never done before as a church, but we're doing video services and just trying to stay connected with people because at a time like this, with so much going on, people can get lost in the shuffle. I actually had another rep call me, and I was in touch with one of our sheriffs here in our district about an older couple that doesn't have anybody that can get groceries for them. So this is really a key time to show, I think, and this goes me putting my pastor's hat on here, to show people what Christianity is about, what it means to be a church, what it means to be a Christian, that we're here to serve, we're here to help. And I hope that all of us, no matter where we're at and no matter what we're doing, be it political, religious, or social, that we're all bringing that empathy, that sense of compassion and heart to what we do. Amen, Representative. That Well-spoken. And, you know, I think also what it speaks of is that the, the, the governor's not tone deaf. He, he heard us. And if you speak yeah. to him in reasonable terms, you address your concerns, this is a man who's actually listening to his constituency. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate that. I want to say that uh, that quickly he addressed it. I mean, we sent the letter to him to his personal assistant on Monday night because we knew that a, a decision might be imminent. And uh, then, of course, we put it out uh, on our network. And, of course, the, the governor did get it. And it was so great to hear from the mental health director because there are people. We've been getting ahead of, for instance, the opiate addiction recovery in Ohio is showing some signs of success over the last few years. I know that the governor, when he was attorney general, this was a great concern of him because we had so many overdose deaths and people that are addicted to alcohol and drugs. And this kind of stress and uh, oppression uh, can really uh, cause them to relapse. Pastor Al, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. And I'd like to echo the representative's thoughts about the letter and the tone of the letter. You know, the Bible says we ought to speak the truth in love. 
And uh, we, we've got to remember that uh, we're not in this alone. You know, we're here for each other. We're here to encourage one another. And, and certainly God is with us in all of these things. And, and, and we know that, that we're not meant to be alone. In fact, the very reason that God created Eve when, after he created Adam, he said it's not good that a man should be alone. And so we understand this. And, and so when we look at this, and we put people isolated away from each other. And you mentioned about that older couple that had no one to help them get groceries. Uh, people become depressed. Like you said, you see suicides increasing in different places and depression sets in. And, you know, even abuse in uh, families and all that are isolated and cut off. And you begin uh, to do what I heard somebody say one time. You start drowning in the mud puddle when when we can get out out into the parks and out into the uh, the world around us that God has created, we begin to look out and we see that we're not alone and we see that there's others there that can help us and that we can enjoy, even with the social distancing, you know, a little bit of communion with others and that we can enjoy, you know, the fellowship of those around us and, and certainly through our churches as a pastor and a representative as a pastor understands the need to uh, continue to help our church members uh, have fellowship one with another, even if it's uh, through a video link, through a telephone. We're really blessed in the things that we can use to connect people today. Uh, but again, I believe getting out uh, into the state parks, which we're blessed with in this state, yes. helps us to see that God has created a magnificent world. And as we start to look at the things that God has created, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. It starts to take our mind off our problems and we start to look up and we start to look up to the Lord that's created all of this. And we begin to look to him for hope and we begin to lift up our hearts in prayer to him and we cast our troubles on him and we find that he really does care for us. And then we can begin to encourage those around us. And we can't do that when we're locked in under house arrest, can we? That we certainly can't. And we need to reach out to others and get on the phone. And, you know, um, if you want a friend, be a friend. You know, I learned that early on in my Christianity. And that, uh, just you know, if you, you're feeling lonely, well, you know what? Do something about it. Be proactive. Call somebody. I want to share this verse of Scripture with you, folks. It's from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You don't need to be afraid, my friend, during this time. You can take courage in the Lord. Reach out. If it's been a long time since you've been to church or even opened your Bible, this is a time that God wants to speak to you. God is speaking to a lot of people right now, worldwide. He's got our attention. This is when we must trust and rely upon him. Uh, Representative, I'm going to ask you to close us out in prayer. We have about a minute left. Thank you once again, Chris, for all the work that you're doing. God bless all your listeners. Let's be the church at this time. This is our time to shine. The church always really shows the love of Christ at these critical times. I'm going to pray for all of you, all of your listeners. Father, in the beautiful, powerful, overcoming, comforting name of Jesus Christ, I ask you to do this. Help those who are suffering who are sick. Give strength to those who are serving the sick. Embolden those who are battling financial concerns at this time. And I ask you, empower and walk with and guide your church 
and let us show the love and the light that you have in the greatest way that it can be at this time of trial. May your blessings be upon all those who serve in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Representative Smith. Thank you, Pastor Al. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. It's been an encouragement. And folks, we pray it's been an encouragement to you. If you missed any of this program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll see you next week. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Hello, I'm Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. We need all Ohioans to help us slow the spread of the coronavirus. For the most up-to-date information, please visit our website at coronavirus.ohio.gov or call 1-833-4-ASK-ODH seven days a week. Furnished by Governor Mike DeWine. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us and we are continuing our series on the coronavirus health crisis uh, here in the state of Ohio. Of course, each day at 2 p.m., the governor, along with his uh, director of health and other members from his cabinet, are giving briefings and updates about the coronavirus health crisis and how our health care system is absorbing uh, the influx of those who are being hospitalized. Although, thankfully, the numbers in Ohio have been muted. So maybe some of the measures that were enacted early on this month by the governor and his health de- uh, department are causing uh, the numbers of infections to be low in the state of Ohio. We certainly hope that that's the case. But what we're going to talk about is the impact that it's having to the rest of society right now. And as many businesses are closed down and there is actually an economic uh, 
uh, fall off that's happening across the state of Ohio, which is causing, of course, the receipts that come into the state treasury to fall off dramatically as businesses, restaurants, uh, other venues are closed across the state of Ohio, including small business. Uh, In fact, everything that isn't considered uh, essential is being closed and people are staying at home. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how uh, there really needs to be a timetable as to when Ohioans and Americans will get back to work. But late last night in the U.S. Senate, they finally came to a deal, to an understanding uh, in the U.S. Senate for a relief package to businesses across the country and to individuals. Let's listen to Senator Mitch McConnell as he gives the announcement that an agreement had been reached. Well, Madam President, I have an update for the information of all senators and for the information of the American people, and it's good news. It's good news for the doctors and nurses in emergency rooms around the country who are waiting for more masks and more funding. It's good news for families all across America. At last, we have a deal. After days of intense discussions, the Senate has reached a bipartisan agreement on a historic relief package for this pandemic. It will rush new resources onto the front lines of our nation's healthcare fight, and it will inject trillions of dollars of cash into the economy as fast as possible to help American workers, families, small businesses, and industries make it through this disruption and emerge on the other side ready to soar. The Bipartisan CARES Act will squarely address each of the four big priorities that I laid out in my legislation at the beginning of the process about a week ago. It will rush financial assistance to Americans through direct checks to households from the middle class on down and through a significant and creative expansion of unemployment insurance during this emergency. It will deliver historic relief to Main Street America through hundreds of billions of dollars in emergency loans so more small businesses can survive this and keep paying their workers. It will help secure our economic foundations and stabilize key national industries to prevent as many layoffs as possible, while keeping big companies accountable as both sides have sought to do. And of course, it will push major relief to hospitals and healthcare providers, invest in new medicines and vaccines so we can beat this virus faster and help get more equipment and masks to the frontline heroes who put themselves at risk to care for patients. In effect, this is a wartime level of investment into our nation. The men and women of the greatest country on earth are going to defeat this coronavirus and reclaim our future. Again, that was Senator Mitch McConnell president of the U.S. Senate, and of course he was uh, announcing the deal that was struck with Democrats last night on the CARE Act, and so it looks as if it is on its way uh, to being approved also in the U.S. House of Representatives and then on to the president's desk. It will relieve uh, some of the uh, economic fall that we've had over the last three weeks now, as it's uh, been closure after closure and disruption in the workforce here 
in um, the United States. And so what we want to talk about uh, this segment is talking about what business is doing and how they're faring. How does small business that actually employs most of America faring at this time? With me on the phone is Greg Lawson. He is the Senior Research Fellow at the Buckeye Institute, a conservative think tank here in the state of Ohio. Also with me on the phone is Larry Carlson. He is the uh, retired co-owner of the original Mattress Factory. And gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me on. Larry, I want to ask you, you've actually had real life experience in small business that actually grew over the years with the original Mattress Factory. You're now retired here in the last year or so, but uh, you've had some interesting thoughts about this. What are businesses experiencing right now? For instance, uh, you know, we are told that now the numbers are between five and seven million uh, restaurant workers nationwide have been laid off. Uh, that's just one sector of the uh, private sector that is uh, getting hit really hard right now. But there's small business across the state that has also had to shutter uh, its doors because of the health director's order. What kind of impact is that having on small business? Well, thank you for asking me, Chris. Um, I think the, the the issue is that there are approximately 52 million people who work for small businesses in this country. And small businesses being like restaurants and, and bars and clothes shops, machine shops, mattress stores, etc. So of that 52 million people, they rely on their wages every day. So if their money... If, if business has to shut down because of the non-essential operation of a lot of these businesses, they have still they have their leases to pay, they have their employees to pay, they have electric, gas, and then they have to take care of themselves with that additional money. And it's just saying that in a short amount of time, these small businesses will not survive. They'll they'll go bankrupt. And and. Most places say that with, within 30 days, 21% of small businesses will fail. So if you just take 21% of 52 million, that's a million jobs lost, 10 million jobs lost, excuse me, 10 million jobs lost, not to be returned. So, yes, you can help people by giving them individual money, and I think that's good. But if you don't get the money to the small businesses today, these jobs will disappear and won't exist in 30 days. And my fear is that government has a, um, a knack for moving slow, and they still haven't passed this. And after they pass it through the Senate, they have to pass it through the House. And, and then they have to figure out how to get the money to these small businesses. And normally, to get a small business loan, it takes about 90 days. Now, hopefully, they can speed that up. But... In a month, if you lose 21% of these businesses, they go bankrupt, we're in trouble. Larry, thank you for that. You know, I was talking to my brother in California who operates a small business, and uh, he was talking about how they're faring. And he said, we do have business in the shop, and of course it's an auto repair uh, location. It's an Amco Transmission Center. And he was talking about what we do. Thankfully, we have some work. But he said, I also did receive some relief. Uh, He has one loan. Uh, from one um, a banking institution that actually said that we're it's it's a kind of a loan where he has to make payments. I think uh, 
uh, twice a month or maybe even every Monday or something to make a draw on his account. And it was a business loan. And by the way, he has some issues about business loans. He said, I've been in business for many years. And a few years ago, when the banks, of course, in 2008, with that financial collapse, when they emerged out of it, they were much more stringent. And during the Obama administration, they put much more restrictions on banking and lending institutions uh, so that those business loans to small business were not easy to obtain. And people that had been lending him those lines of credit as he would operate, because there are highs and lows in the calendar year for each business, each business has that. Um, And so those are essential to have that cash revenue stream into small business to keep it going. And so he said it's been just really difficult to get a proper business loan in recent years. So thankfully, this institution notified him, we're going to suspend your payments for the next 30 days. Understand, he said, that will cause me to have some relief. But the bills keep coming for small business. The The doors may be closed. The customers aren't there. The cash revenue is not coming in, but their bills do not stop. And I'm glad you brought that up. And that's what we're concerned about. The president expressed that. He says, I don't want the cure to be worse than the disease. Greg Lawson, your thoughts. Well, I think this is an unprecedented situation that we're confronting here. And we have a real difficult balancing act that government officials from Washington to Columbus, down to even the local levels here in Ohio, are really having to wrestle with. And that is, how do you balance uh, the protection of people and protection of lives and and stopping what is a particularly pernicious uh, virus with the coronavirus? And how do you do that in a way that doesn't shutter the economy? And of course, as of right now, that's essentially what we have done in Ohio. You're seeing this, obviously, in New York State, which is essentially the epicenter nationally now when you look at the numbers there it's it's truly alarming uh this year uh volume that's going up but um it's difficult uh the president is right uh we do need to have the economy open up uh the question is going to be how do we do smart targeting um one of the challenges of course is the testing here in ohio and nationally too of course because until you get enough tests out there to know who has it, and you can then do kind of the strategic quarantining and social distancing and things like that, you run into a, a problem, which is why we're doing this wholesale thing where everybody is is being subjected to it. Uh, and, and we're going to have to get to the point, uh, hopefully again sooner rather than later, to where we can uh, have this be more strategic about who we're dealing with so that those folks who are not the most susceptible to the coronavirus are able to get back and start doing work. Um, I don't know that I see this uh, changing in the near uh, term, like as in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be something that sometime in probably the second to third week in April, we're going to start really looking at this. I mean, the president's talking about, you know, Easter and trying to open up the economy. I'm not sure how that's going to pan out in the long run, if that's really what's going to happen or even if it does happen, it may not. It's probably not going to happen all at one time. And of course, ultimately, states and, and governors and states are the ones who are making a lot of these executive decisions. So even if the president says, you know, everybody go back to work, some governors are going to probably say yes. Some governors are probably going to say no. And so it's not going to be straightforward and simple. And the challenge is going to be, depending on where you're at, um, you know, the small businesses are the lifeblood of the economy. They are the ultimately the net job creators 
uh, in the economy because usually when you have these, you know, a recession or something ha- happen, uh, big companies uh, tend to find ways to economize. They substitute capital or machines or AI or automation or whatever it is for labor. And uh, you see that even in things like fast food restaurants, where you've already, even before this outbreak, you saw the rise of kiosks in McDonald's or other fast food restaurants, which is reducing the number of people with jobs there. Uh, you're going to see more of that in the, uh, in, in the larger companies. But for the smaller companies that haven't done that, you know, it's absolutely right. This is devastating. And I just don't know how, how quickly we're going to be able to unwind this because if, in fact, you take the the clamps off too quickly, and you get a run on the hospitals before they are prepared to deal with spikes and numbers. You're going to end up with a much worse, or potentially a much worse situation, which is obviously the stress on the healthcare system, the the, the deaths that might come along with that, and that will only exacerbate the fears and things. Which so far, I think people have been for the most part, handling themselves exceptionally well. We're a free nation, a free state. We recognize we have rights, but we also, I think, are having finding out that people understand they have responsibilities uh, that correspond to those rights. I think people are taking that on. But, you know, this is very, very worrisome. And I think that what we're going to have to look at in the long run is uh, at both the national level and the state level, what do we need to do to make it as easy as possible to have these guys hit the ground running uh, as soon as we can start to release some of these, uh, you know, lockdowns or the stay-at-home orders and things of that nature. Um, you're going to have to have the federal money is going to go in. It's going to have to go in. The bridge loans are going to have to happen so that places can retain their spot, not get kicked out of leased space. There's going to be a lot of work on mortgages. There's a lot of discussions about that, too, making sure that people don't lose uh, their their locations, Um because they're not able to pay uh, mortgages for a while uh, and stuff. So it, it, it's very difficult, but we're going to have to start thinking creatively about how do we, how do we not have taxes uh, increase dramatically at this point in time, because obviously this is going to be a big problem for the state governments in particular. Well, I, yeah, and I want to get there. Getting hammered. Yeah, I want to get there in a minute. Hold that thought, because actually right now I want to talk about timetable, because for – there actually to be credibility with uh, what uh, government officials are saying when they're talking about timetable. And originally it was three weeks, okay, that to lower the curve as far as the uh, spike in infections and the need for hospitalization in the event of uh, here in Ohio. So let's look closely at our state. Um, actually, the first 15 days actually expires tomorrow. If I'm re- if I'm counting back from the calendar from the first announcements from the governor's office uh, back on uh, the 10th or the 12th, uh, the Thursday this week, Thursday, Friday this week would be the first 15 days. But that aside, the, pre- uh, the, the other date was April 6th. Okay, but then uh, the the president's talking. He really wants things to get back to work by April 12th. This was uh, stated yesterday from uh, his press conference. But yet, Governor DeWine said May 1st, and that's about as clear as mud. Uh, Larry Carlson, your thoughts on that about timetable? Yeah, I think the the governors who have set the the shutdowns each state are really in control of when they can turn it back on, more so than the president, in my opinion. I, I think um, I would love to see, and I, and I hope it happens, that we're back by Easter. But as 
uh, President Trump said, this is a, uh, a hope. And, and he doesn't, he's not the one who can say, okay, everybody has to go back to work. It really is, uh, um, as Greg said, by state by state. And so some states may come back, uh, you know, and some states may not. Well, I think uh, what what is in question there, and there's going to be a debate back and forth, some of the orders from the state, are they're actually quoting Homeland Security. So if the president actually, as the executive, orders uh, you know, the release of these things, then I think the states would have less legal standing once the federal government opens things up. So I think that debate's going to happen. We're starting to see some legal opinion start to circulate this week, actually in the state of Ohio that Sunday's stay-at-home order by the health director was a, many believe to be a bridge too far, and actually because most Ohioans were complying with the reasonable uh, health uh, you know, requests and standards and policy that the uh, governor and the health director were uh, issuing, and people were complying. Uh, but Sunday night seemed to put a lot of confusion in the air about the stay-at-home order, uh, Greg, are you getting some uh, thoughts on that? Because uh, there is a number of legal groups that have started to weigh in on that. We're going to hear more about it, I think, in the next uh, days and weeks. Well, we are because there's a real there's a lot of questions about what exactly it does it mean to have an essential business. That's sort of the crux of a lot of these these uh, concerns that are out there because uh, the definition of what's an essential business can be somewhat elastic depending on your perception of things. And, you know, there's a lot of talk, I think, by the governor, by the lieutenant governor, trying to, to, to say that, you know, there's a pretty plain letter reading of it. But it's not quite so plain letter reading. In fact, I was just watching press conference today that the governor was doing, and the lieutenant governor made an interesting point, which is you make, uh, 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 you know, cardboard boxes. Are you or are you not essential? Well, you're not essential from the standpoint that perhaps, you know, you're not making the drugs, you're not making the food, you're not directly making sure the roads are working so that people can transport goods, right? On the other hand, you're making the product that those products are ultimately shipped in. So are you, are you not? And so there's a lot of ambiguity there. And I think what you're going to see is a lot of businesses not truly clear on what that is. And it'll be interesting over the course of next week to see how the enforcement, and I, th- I think the governor is going to do a good job of not trying to be overly heavy-handed this uh, when people act in good faith uh, on this. Uh, but what does that really mean? Uh, because, you know, a lot of people will have different definitions. It's in the eye of the beholder somewhat uh, what that could possibly be. I mean, there's only a handful of things that you would say are truly, you know, the entertainment industry and some of that stuff you would say is not essential. But outside of that, it's very ambiguous. So I think we're going to have a lot of issues there. There's, and yeah, there's, yeah, and and some and uh, grocery stores, pharmacies, those kind of things. What right. hardware stores? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Uh, you need something later to fix your. And they were trying to address some of that today. What considers this the supply chain? Because what about the pallets that food and supplies are are shipped on? You know, and the the uh, the. Uh, containers and those kinds of things so what is a supply part of the supply chain so those are great questions and i think those will be uh you know uh vetted out here 
And, of course, the legislature is meeting today, finally. Uh, they're going to set a new primary date. Uh, they're also going to address some other issues because you're talking about unemployment. You're going to talk. I talked to one state senator. He said, we already were behind the eight ball with the unemployment fund in the state. So there's a lot of questions to be answered. The, the CARE Act will, of course, help states and help the funding of these things, but there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Hello, I'm Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. We need all Ohioans to help us slow the spread of the coronavirus. For the most up-to-date information, please visit our website at coronavirus.ohio.gov or call 1-833-4-ASK-ODH seven days a week. Furnished by Governor Mike DeWine. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Larry, I want to go back to you again as someone who's actually worked in small business and, and seen the day-to-day operations. And we're going to hear from small businessmen of what they're, you know, they're, they're facing, because each day those bills come in, whether the revenue is coming in the door or not. Your thoughts on that, of, of the timetable, because as you mentioned earlier, there, there's not an indefinite period of time for these small businesses. Some of them will have to close their doors permanently, unfortunately. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, my fear is that you know, every day goes by, you, you still have, as you said, you have the lease on the building, you have the electric on the building, you have the gas, the water bills. They don't stop doing that. You have the employees that you, if you want to help them, you try to keep them on the payroll because you don't want to lose them. And they also have health insurance that you have to pay for, all those things. And then on top of all these bills with no income coming in, you have your bills, you have your mortgage on your house, you have your cars, you have you know, food on your table. So all of this is relying on income. And what little savings you may, especially if you're a relatively new, let's say you're only a year or two company and you just started to turn the corner, you will be closed very quickly. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do it. And when the, when the, the state of Ohio shut down all non-essential businesses, um, it, it started the clock. On, on a lot of these small businesses. Pennsylvania had it over a week ago, so they're already a week down. That they, I mean, if you're saying, you know, 14 to 18 days, you're going to lose these businesses, they're already a week down and there's nothing coming to them. Ohio's been down this week, so they're getting close to it, and there's nothing coming. So, the, you know, the fear is this is your, your heart. This is your heart of your of your country is is small business. Yes, and if we do not help them quickly, uh, 
we we will have destroyed the economy totally. Well, I think there will be some balance that comes into this that the health professionals would say, you know, this has really helped what uh, Ohioans have been doing. I think we can release and open up some of our, uh, you know, businesses and our society and uh, protect those most vulnerable during the health care crisis. And I think that that's what's going to happen here. And so we all need to work together, no doubt. And folks, we encourage you to pray. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for coming on today and helping us understand this uh, complicated subject a little better. Again, uh, Larry Carlson, retired owner of the original, uh, co-owner of the uh, original Mattress Factory, and Greg Lawson, thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for having us, Chris. Thank Thank you. Well, stay with us on the other side. We're going to talk with Rob Walgate of the American Policy Roundtable, and they issued a paper this week about the limitation of some of those rights and some questions that they have concerning the stay-at-home order. You want to stay with us. We'll be right back. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.